welcome to the Pod Pros series of Indian Podcasting Revolution. In this series, we sit across some leading podcast experts from across the globe to do some crystal ball gazing around the rise of podcasts. They share with us the tips, strategies, and the disruptive work they are doing in the world of podcasting. I'm your host and founder of Done For You Podcast, Roshni Baronia. And why wait further? Let's jump right in. Today's episode intends to touch upon the continued debate over audio versus video podcast. Now, as a podcaster myself and founder of a podcast production company, my love and approach has always been audio first. But now with the changing definition of podcast and primarily any type of video content being called podcast, I also wanted to seek clarity as to what is this change and how does this impact a podcaster? And to decipher this entire debate, I have just the right person with me for the conversation. If you are a podcaster and are not living under the rock, you would know about Sounds Profitable, which is the leading think tank of podcasting industry. Sounds Profitable undertakes extensive research and surveys to present trend-setting reports, guides, articles and insights that give shape to the global podcasting industry. And I'm so honored and privileged to have the founder of Sounds Profitable, Brian, with me today to discuss about this never-ending debate about audio versus video podcast. So welcome, Brian. I am delighted to have you on Indian Podcasting Revolution. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We can end the podcast now. Video is not podcast. There we go. We're done. <laughs> now, uh, no, it's a, it's a fun topic and I'm... I, it, I'm excited that it's the first one that me and you are going to do a recording about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because uh, like I said earlier that we do run a podcast production company with an audio first approach. But increasingly in our uh, client inquiries also, we have been facing this requirement of doing video podcasts. So I was like, okay, let me get get a clarity for myself that, okay, where are we on this? So great. We'll dive into it. But before we do that, Tell us a little bit about your entry into the podcasting space. Like how did podcast, audio, video, anything happened to you? Well, I've been in advertising technology for about 15 years in one form or another. And the first half of that was in mobile advertising. So I got really deep involved in there, like rich media ads, the framework of it. And halfway through, I was at a company that was doing a lot of mobile advertising and they had an attribution product and WNYC and Progressive Auto Insurance asked you know, on a call, they were like, can we use this tool, this attribution tool to confirm if someone who listened to a podcast signed up for insurance? And the sales guy said yes. And I hit mute and I said, what are you doing? And we became the first attribution company in podcasting. That was part of AdTherent. We split off and became barometric. Uh, and then we were acquired by Claritas. And then from there, you know, I was at Megaphone for a little bit and with the data uh, pipeline and ad server. And then I started Sounds Profitable in August 2020. So it's been, I'd say about half my career now has been focused on podcasting, on the business side and technical side of podcasting. Yeah, that's so interesting that, uh, of course, that so heavily you are focused on the business side of podcasts because primarily especially in this side of the world in India, podcasting has always been promoted as something which you can do as a 
way of expressing yourself as storytelling and just uh, being as a medium of self expression but uh, but it's interesting to note and always see sounds profitable to bring out the business side of podcasts which is so relevant for brands and businesses and that's why we want to discuss more about the industry at large yeah i w- i do want to highlight something so the only podcasts i consume personally really are kids podcasts because i have a 2 and 5 year old and like dungeons and dragons and other like actual play tabletop podcasts and and i guess like uh, uh audio dramas because for me it is about enjoyment and what i think about the business side like I have become a podcast host to a degree. You know, I've edited some things before, but it's not really my interest. I've never viewed myself as a creative person because up until I got into podcasting, like I was doing visual stuff, right? Like I can't draw. I, I like I'm an okay writer, but like I get better over time, but I second guess myself a lot. I think for me, when I see the business side, while it is focusing on like how brands can have a branded podcast, how brands can work in advertising, to me, the real key part that I focus on is growing listenership and monetization in podcasting. Because if I can help solve those problems, then that means the type of content that I like, they can make more of it because they have enough money to make it. They can, it can become a full-time job or it can become a worthwhile part-time or, or like a supplement income for them. That's my creative side. That's my creative contribution is, am I able to help those people make this a profession instead of a hobby, right? And and if I can do that, then I'm adding more creativity to the world. Absolutely. It's absolutely so interesting that, uh, yes, everyone who is doing podcasting, after a certain point of time, they will see, <laughs> want to see, in fact, uh, the monetization coming in. So great, great. And okay, so let's dive into our conversation for today, Brian, which I actually wanted to discuss with you based on the report that you had come out about the podcasting landscape and this entire debate of like, how are the listeners discovering podcast? Where are they consuming it most? And is it in conflict with the podcasters per se? So first things first, let's get started with the basics where we understand the fundamental difference between audio and video podcasts with respect to the backend technology where audio is RSS feed syndication, whereas video is being about publishing on a platform like YouTube or anything anywhere else. So what's the difference and how does it influence the making of a podcast? Well, I mean, I think the the first thing is like, you know, the tools have become so easy that we're recording that. I assume anytime that I'm doing a recording, I am going to be on video as well. So I've invested in like a really good camera, good microphone, everything there and blurred out the background as I uh, start to build it out a little bit better because we redid this room. I think that's really important, right? Because everything for audio and video starts at like, what's your source material, right? If you only have audio and that's fine you can make a video version with just static images. You could do animated images. You could put another video over it, but you don't have this conversation here. If you have this video asset, you can do that. You can just put us up there side by side and that can be the full screen. You could do a lower thirds. You can create a template similar to how people do in Twitch and put us in there. You can pan from one to the other while people are talking. There's a lot of interesting things you could do. And then further, if this was live, then even more, there's a more dynamic set. There's more opportunity there. So. You know, when I think about audio versus video, that's where I like to start on the creative side. What you have determines what your output is. What your output is determines the success of it. Now, 
podcasting on the business side, when I think about it, the RSS aspect is really important because when every individual presses play or is set to automatically download an episode, your hosting platform has the ability in real time to determine and differentiate you pressing play and me pressing play by the IP address. So generally geolocation, like it's not going to get like your absolute Latin long. Sometimes it can get zip code, most often DMA or like the county region style or state. And then user agent, which isn't going to tell us a lot. You don't buy mattresses in the Spotify app. So it just tells you, are you on Spotify, your Apple, your operating system, things like that. Tells you the episode. We can dig out contextual relevant information there, right? What's the just the the top level, the name of the show, the name of the podcast, the content categories, the description, or further, you can ingest all of that and run it through a content engine to identify keyword density, which I don't particularly love, or like sentiment, right? Like what is the tone? What is the intent there? And then timestamp, right? Is this am I pressing play on a podcast that had been released? more than five hours ago. So I'm, I'm listening to it right now is the intent. Was it auto downloaded? Is it morning, afternoon, or evening, right? That all gives you the ability to tailor all of the dynamic ads that most professional ad servers offer right now. And you can set up massive amounts of campaigns from what you want to serve directly, whether they're for sale, cost per acquisition, or uh, even house ads. Or then you can kick it over to other people to manage your inventory. And this is valuable for things like Spotify ad network and all that and programmatic further on there. So there's so many different options in different ways that those small pieces of data can make a difference that me and you could be sitting side by side on the exact same model of iPhone and the exact same app listening to the same episode. And by pressing play at the same time, we could have different ads because there's just something different about that moment or what their goals were or anything. What it happens in video is no matter if it is visual or static or, or whatnot, we are uploading a file to YouTube. YouTube has made that incredibly easy for us but it is your hosting platform is disconnected from here. And, and when I think about podcasts and my emphasis here is that like podcasts to me is the distribution through your central hosting platform. It's that unified nature of it. I don't have to upload to Spotify and upload to Amazon, uh, Amazon and upload to Apple. I can put it on my hosting platform and from there, everybody can grab it. YouTube is caching it. YouTube makes it easy to cache it. They'll pull it off the RSS feed or you can upload it yourself. But that disconnect, I don't, I don't think it's fair to not call it a podcast. I think it's more important to say it becomes a separation of medium and it's not as easy to treat the channels the same way. It is not to your benefit to treat the channels the same way. That, that's a very valid point. That is not in your benefit to treat it same. Don't put them into the same bucket. The operation, the delivery to your end listener is also very different. And like you highlighted, the way you can control or just monitor the audio content that is being delivered to your listener is very different to how it will show up on a YouTube platform. So yeah, and and YouTube does allow ads. You can uh, endorse ads, the host, the producer, right? It can be uh, integrated in there or baked in, all stitched in together. The dynamic nature they keep for themselves. And so the thing that I really need to emphasize is that like. While you're building an audience before you're monetizing all of that, there's not actually an issue. The issue just comes down to where do you choose to send the person? Because if you don't focus on one destination, right? Like I do think it's smart for people to put their podcasts out there, advertise it everywhere, and then look where their first, second, and third 
place of play is, and then double down on that. Because if you promote, you can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify in a tweet. Apple and Spotify both can't share that. Neither of them will share it because it promotes their competitor. But if you do one post that says, listen to it on Apple, or one post that says, listen to it on Spotify, they can do something with that if you engage them, if it's valuable enough. That's the things that we need to focus on. So being everywhere, seeing where it sticks, and then focusing on it is valuable. Monetization doesn't, like if you are so successful on YouTube, but like it's it's to your detriment because you can't do dynamic ads, you'll find another way, right? Success will help make that revenue possible. Yeah, yeah, that's so smart. That's so smart. And uh, yeah, it's a good point to, I also never thought about it, that don't put the Apple and Spotify links in the same post. Actually, that's a good tactic. Do it with different posts, with different links. Good, great. So you also touched upon the fact, uh, Brian, that uh, of course, since like don't treat them equally. And like you also said that now that we are doing the video, you will be a little bit more careful about what the background looks like. Do I have enough light coming on to my face and all of those things? So can you help us understand that what is the difference between the production costs for an independent podcaster when it comes to video podcasts? Like it is, is it very significant or is it like a marginal increase which they can accommodate over a period of time? That's a great question. I think the truth is now is that like, like I've recorded with clean feed before, which is just audio and it's, I don't like it because I can't see your reaction. I can't play off of it. I can't know when I'm interrupting you and stop until I hear it. And that, that doesn't work very well for me. So I think at this point, the de facto solutions are like Squadcast and Riverside. I think that's really valuable to note. So you can't like buy their audio only plan and save money. It's audio and video. The intention is they're both there. Equipment wise, I think it is okay to make the bias that a lot of people in podcasting and in media creation use Apple products. The MacBook lines have been very, very focused on interconnectivity. So if you have one of the later iPhones and a later Mac of any product, you can use the camera, the high-end camera on your iPhone to record the podcast, right? The the built-in webcams aren't terrible. The older ones, the 720p ones are, you're, you know, it's worse quality. But the newer ones, the 1080p ones are fine. But your phone creates great great quality. And and actually, I think both Riverside and Squadcast also have phone apps, so you could record the whole thing from there. You also can plug in a microphone. USB microphones are getting better and better. I, I, you know, US $80 is like entry level for some of those. You can put your AirPods in. It really depends on the look you want there. Then you can filter out the background, right? There's, There's so many different things you can do. Lighting, I mean, my lighting's not particularly great here in the room. I usually have like a key light, but I broke it last night. So what I would say is I think most people have more of the tools than they think they do. Most of them are overlap with what you need for audio anyways. And really they help you with business meetings and conversations. I mean, like this is how I take, this is how I look when I take like my standard consulting calls that we do with all of our partners, because this is my full setup, right? You're actually on a teleprompter. I over-invested on this stuff because to me, I'm wearing a hoodie and a t-shirt and I'm, I haven't shaved today, but I'll tell you, people will say, you look great, you sound great. And I think what they mean is the picture quality and the audio quality more than the physical appearance. But it's, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't think the cost is that much higher. Where I do think the cost is higher is editing. I think that the rule of thumb that I've always had explained to me is that an hour of raw audio in a chat show, you know, two-person interview, is probably three to four hours of editing. 
I think video, I, I don't have that rule of thumb that people would share, but I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be insane to think that that could be double that, right? Like, I think that that could be pretty reasonable. So you need to be prepared there. But, you know, template and asset creation is a one-time cost usually. And, and the truth is, so much of what we do in marketing is visual, right? If I wanted to show you a, like a, a two-minute video on TikTok of like a kid falling into a pool, we can speed it up. I can scroll through it. We can get through that in 10 seconds. If I want to show you a two-minute trailer for my podcast, well, if there's nothing to look at and it's all audio, you really got to commit, right? Like that's asking a lot from the person. So these video, like don't just think about it as a destination endpoint. Think about the marketing aspect of it. And, and I'm really keen on that, right? I consume clips of podcasts more than I listen to those podcasts because that clip is ideally that super interesting, valuable point that they put right in front of me. And, and I don't know if I have an hour to commit to that person or if everything in that conversation is going to be interesting, but I scroll by it on LinkedIn. It caught my attention. I listened to it for 30 seconds, 60 seconds. And now I'm following that person. Now I'm interested in what they're saying. Now I'm reaching out to them, right? So there's that aspect of it's really powerful. And, and, Joe Rogan is one of the top listened to podcasts on YouTube, which is confusing because he only puts clips of his show on YouTube. And we have a study coming out later this month that's uh, that's all about video and podcasting. And I'm excited to share that data. I can't really give much more in there, but it's very interesting about the dynamic of people who believe and consume Joe Rogan solely outside of Spotify that believe that that's enough of a podcast. It's because that, to them, that's it, right? Because the, and that's why we don't want to shut these things off. If you tell them it's not a podcast, what does that mean? Did we just tell them that they don't like podcasts? Did we just say, don't bother listening to anything else or watching anything else because you're not a real podcast listener? Like we, we close them off. We need to invite them in. Yeah. Which brings me to a very important question, which actually I also wanted to seek clarity on was that how do you see YouTube when it comes to podcasts? Is it a search engine? Is it a platform for repurposed content, like you said, short snippets and clips from the long-form podcast, or it becomes your primary podcast channel, like you said earlier, that it depends on where your audience is coming to your podcast first. So do we make YouTube the primary channel and then Spotify, Apple, and every other thing is the secondary? So how do you see it? Search engine, repurpose platform, primary part. I think that the easiest way to approach it for anybody who is podcast audio first, who doesn't know how much visual commitment they can provide, is a focus on marketing search engine and assets there. In the same way that I would advise them to transcribe their podcast and have it rewritten in AI and then clean it up yourself and put it on your site for SEO and put it in your newsletter and all that, like reuse it. I think that that's a very, very strong way to utilize it because it has benefit. But you need to remember that that might be the end of where that person consumes you. So make sure you get your point across. Make sure you capture them appropriately. Make sure you do your advertisements in there if necessary, even if it's a smaller clip, right? Quick shout out, product placement, whatever it is, because that might be the only way you interact with them. But that doesn't mean it's bad, right? They may not come to your podcast. They may not sign up for your newsletter. They may not go to your website. But what happens if they follow that those YouTube clips religiously and share them and that's that's valuable there? That's the lowest lift area. 
I would say that companies that focus on video first are probably at a bigger advantage, right? Stripping out the visual components or designing a video podcast that can be both audio and video is easier than doing audio and then figuring out a video component when you don't have one. So that gives you a lot of benefit there, but they're different channels. I mean, like it's different ad budgets to grow it. It's different intent. It's different ways to monetize. It's different ways to do do so many things. You're competing with a bigger pool of people. Even if we focus on YouTube music, right, as that destination, it's also, you know, the, the impact is that you're also on general YouTube, right? Now, one of the things that was said that was super interesting is like when someone's consuming kids' podcasts on YouTube, when you turn that TV on, your kid doesn't grasp what you're doing. They just think, oh, okay, Bluey. Let's watch Bluey. Let's watch Mickey Mouse, right? Because now even though you're going to YouTube to watch that, like even if there's a video component of it, you've opened up into video. And video's library of content is way bigger than podcast library of content. It's easy to get distracted. Interesting. So what I also heard you say is that initially in marketing, they used to say that you should have a hub and spoke strategy where you have a one main platform and all the other platforms are linking to that one platform. So you are bringing all the audience and converging them to one conversion platform, which can be your newsletter, which can be your website or something like that, or your landing page or your sales funnel, those kind of things. But what you are saying now is that you should treat them independently. Audio content consumption is happening on audio platforms. Video consumption is happening on video platforms. See it as different mediums and treat them as for the platform specifics instead of repurposing maybe. Yeah, but I think more than anything, figure out can they be that model that you were talking about, right? Like, I don't think, I think it's foolish to assume that you can fit like, when when you're working with someone and they start with a website and social media and a newsletter, it's not clear which one's the center, right? You have to figure out which one are you able to drive people to towards. You might find that organically you can drive people to your newsletter, but social and your website stuck at getting people to sign up for that newsletter, right? And you might find the other like that your newsletter is great at driving people to your social. What you drive people to, it might depend per audience. So I think that the most important thing is, is that we don't know. I, I don't think we've mastered growth and you know generating more listenership and podcasting yet in any capacity. So the part of this that gives me anxiety is saying to podcasters like, hey, I know you're swimming upstream. Why don't we add another lane, right? Like, why don't, why don't we do more? Like, you know, and, and that gives me anxiety because we had a boom and a bust in podcasting. But I want to emphasize to people, we had 20 to 30% growth year over year, even if you remove the boom and bust. Podcasting is doing fantastic. There are times I believe that podcasting should be part of something bigger, influencer marketing, right? All audio overall, because we'd stand out so strong there. And we also could say how much more money that channel generates than podcasting, which is smaller. In the US, we failed to hit $2 billion the previous year. So to me, it's, it's really important to like figure out how all that fits together. Okay, so taking a little bit of different lane of conversation here to and referring to the podcast landscape report, which clarifies that 48% of audience is discovering podcasts on YouTube and 57% collectively do not actually have a preference of audio versus video. 
podcast is a podcast but from the creator perspective like for me uh, i always have that audio first approach and the love for audio medium first so for podcasters who have this audio first approach how does this difference this conflicting difference is something that they can adjust well to so from the podcaster's perspective how will we adjust to this insight my dad was a great woodworker and he made this this like a old clock like this old style clock it was beautiful and he made one and it was perfect and it took him like 2 years and then he never made anything again because he couldn't make anything of that caliber really right like he might have made a small things here and there but like he really stopped because he measured himself by perfection i think it's really important to figure out where you can apply yourself i you know i write less on sounds profitable now because that's not my strength you need to you need to figure out your strengths and what does and doesn't work or you need to hire up for it if it's a business you need to figure out if you can afford that so i i think the the first thing is let's assume you picked audio or video to start and you've generated some form of audience the first thing you should do is survey that audience because what you want to know is was that actually the audience you want to attract, right? If it isn't the audience that you wanted to attract, well then figure out how to survey the ideal audience and what podcast they would like because you missed that, but there's something valuable there. In that survey, ask them, if this had a video co- component to it, would you switch where you're watching it? If it had a video or or consuming it, if it had a video component, would you prioritize watching it versus listening to it? If it had a video component, what would be compelling to you, right? And when you get that feedback, you are sampling biased people, but it's valuable because if that isn't, if, if your most interested and excited audience says, I could not care about what you look like while I listen to your podcast, then revisit it when you 10x your audience, right? So interesting, which actually makes me ask you this question that in your experience have you uh, identified any particular niches or content types which do better in audio and any particular content types which do better on videos is there some observations you have there I, honestly i'm i've been completely shocked by what does and doesn't work i think things that ap- appeal to a younger audience do better with video I think that's the truth of it. I mean, like we're seeing it with like Theo Vaughn and and all of these other uh, podcasts out there that are definitely, I think, geared towards a little bit of a younger audience. I think, but like, it's so funny, a, a show I really enjoy, Darknet Diaries, which is all about like hackers and that type of world, right? And amazing storytelling for that. He did like animated backgrounds for each of the episodes. His YouTube channel is doing phenomenal. There's, there's nothing to me that's compelling enough to do anything that, but like put it on a secondary monitor and like a, like the type of effect when you put on like background music on YouTube and they have like an animated anime girl, like reading a book or writing in her journal. It's kind of that effect, but people love it because that audience prefers YouTube for their concept because they're looking up tutorials and, and that's, that's their main consumption platform. So I, I think it's, it's audience specific. I mean, look, Twitter was a place I hung out a lot and now it feels terrible and I feel lost. Like I'm one of those millennials who like doesn't have a home on social media right now and I've gravitated towards LinkedIn. I now consume more clip-based content in LinkedIn than in other any other channel. So it's it's about your audience 
more than it is about the type of content, right? Like I'm sure that Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire, I'm sure that like some of the Daily Wire shows, like uh, the controversial aspect of those shows, like they appeal to audio focused people because they're reminiscent of AM radio. They're, they're like that, you know, they started as a podcast, their video component, they do have Brett and blank out on her last name, but she like, they built that with the audio and video component to start to appeal to a younger demographic. And it's very clearly working, right? So it, you could take the same podcast and create different versions of it by having different hosts. You can rehash the same material. If it's a different audience, presentation matters. So really know your audience. And I think that that's important for if you're a YouTube creator or a podcaster, right? I, I don't think either, there's not a negative to either. So speaking about audience and how to engage them, if suppose there is a podcaster who is thinking about moving from audio format to a video format, how should they adjust the expectations of their audience? now that they are moving to video. So any suggestions on that? Or have you seen any good examples of? So for example, if I was having uh, an audio podcast, and now I feel that it is a good idea to bring in the video element. And how do I tell my existing audience that, hey, is this is available on video also. And will it be a good idea to move this audio to this audio consuming audience to the video platform as well? How will I manage the expectations of them? You need to determine if it's the same content in audio and video. Some people do different formats, right? There's, you know, there's a handful of YouTubers that have a podcast that extend the conversation that didn't happen in YouTube. So is it net new content between the two or is it a replication of the same thing? You need to remember that every time you invite your audience to change location, they may change their habit with you completely, right? Like if when podcasts, when certain podcasts moved over to Spotify as exclusive, not everybody followed. Like people give Spotify a lot of crap about what you know what they did with this the podcast boom and bust, but they bought us five years worth of data. The answer that I learned from them is if I don't use your app for that purpose, I'm not going to use it as a destination. It's not like Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max. It is the podcast player is like a web browser. If I went to a website and they said, we only allow edge browsers, I might stop going to that website. It really depends on how valuable it is. So I think that anytime you invite your audience to move, you invite them to also leave, right? Because they exit, you have to exit one room to enter another room. I think that if it's duplicative content, there's not a compelling reason over there. But I do think you do need to tell them about it. I think that if you make it too new, unique between the two places and it's possible to miss out, I think you create fatigue. So I think it's not easy. It, it really is not easy. I think truthfully video podcasters, because we've had them for 10, 20 years at this point, have this way easier because they start with something so big and it's the live stream and then they pare it down to the on-demand video and then they pare it down to the on-demand podcast and they pare it down to the audio and the video clips. That's so much easier than starting with the audio and expanding it to the video and expand, like that's, that anxiety there is real. I really, I really want to repeat survey your audience, ask what they want. Remember that you can have a bias. Remember that you can do what you want. I mean, we have so much fun with that. It sounds profitable. Sometimes we'll just be like, what happens if we release this on a different day or at a different time? And we try and see feedback and interest. And sometimes you got to do what's right for you. Sometimes you get to explore where you want to. Exactly. Exactly. 
that's been a very immersive conversation so what's happening new at sounds profitable what's the latest we are going to see well we our goal is for everything that we put out there to be completely free right like the we have six newsletters a week right now that keep you uh, updated on what happens in the world of podcasting all of them have a podcast component highly recommend you check it out we're also on youtube with all those but it is not our beautiful faces it's just the static aspect of it they're built to enable everybody to do business and podcasting and be aware of what's going on and take as little of your time as possible. There's no ads or anything there. We do cutting edge research every quarter, one to three reports. Those are all freely available. We don't even capture email to, to, for people to download them. The partnership model that we have is meant for people who need to take that a little bit further, want the community aspect, our live events, and want one-on-one time with us to apply all these things on there. One of the things that Tom worked really hard on was there's so much research and we share so much of it. Ours, other people's, everything. Tom built a research database for our partners. And this is one of the first things we've ever built like a product for ourselves and that's for our partners specifically. And it's all the public research up there. We watermark it. So the intent isn't to, to steal the download from anybody who's doing research. We highlight everybody involved in the research. But Tom manually is tagging every bit of research from 2022 forward so that anybody can go in and say, well, I'm going to go talk to Toyota. What do I know about automotive's overlap with podcasting? And they can find the most relevant research on there rated by Tom, right? That's really exciting on that end. We're viewing some other ways to improve on the technical side and, and, and just kind of help the industry move forward. We're active members of the IAB Tech Lab, which is where we define the download spec and, and how we measure the space. And so we have some thoughts coming there that are really exciting. We're working with the pre-bid organization to bring pre-bid, which is another way to expand programmatic advertising and podcasting. But I think the biggest thing that we have coming is we solidified a full day at South by Southwest. On March 9th. It is an official, it's the only full podcast day. It's an officially part of South by Southwest. It's at the advertising track on the second day, March 9th, and it's four panels and we're putting it together. And our goal there is to answer why podcasting. And we, it's 250 people that are going to, uh, for capacity for the room, we want it to be standing room only. We want it to be packed to the gills. We want them to have to turn people away because we really want to convince South by Southwest why podcasting deserves its own track. Business during the day, live events at night, we deserve it. And we need to be in bigger places because these podcast conferences are fantastic, but it's all of us talking to ourselves. We need to talk to everybody else now. Yes. Yes. That's so, so encouraging to see that you are and the Sans Profitable organization overall is putting so much of effort to putting podcasting on the map of like all the businesses and brands to take notice that, yes, you can do big with this. Great, great. It's been so exciting and wonderful to have this immersive conversation with you, Brian. And any closing thoughts or message for our podcasters. I'm, I'm incredibly excited to be able to share information like this. Remember, Sounds Profitable is completely free. I'd love for you to sign up, read it, share it, hit reply. It all goes to me. Always, always happy to talk and help anybody in this space. Yes. And Brian is so, so generous. Yes, literally he's saying that he's just a message away and he is always uh, ready to revert and meet up. And yeah. We got to grow this space Amazing. together. Yes. Yes, we definitely have to. So thank you. Thank you once again for being here. Thank you so much for having me. 
Hope this conversation helps you with your podcasting journey whether you are an emerging or an established podcaster. For more such podcast insights, follow Indian Podcasting Revolution and if you want help with the launch, management or growth of your podcast, check out our website www.dfip.in which is the acronym for done for you podcast because you see we like to keep things simple. And yes, if you wish to be a part of an exclusive podcaster community, join the waitlist from the link given in show notes. That's all for Pod Pros at Indian Podcasting Revolution this week. We shall meet again in the next episode.